to Compelling Communicators, a podcast where we learn some golden communication truths from compelling communicators from wide-ranging fields, including teaching, mediation, youth work, mental health nursing, counselling, expressive arts modalities, and community development. In this episode, we meet Jamie Brown, or JB as he prefers to be called, a teacher and principal psychotherapist in his own practice, who brings a deeply relational understanding of communication that is based on developing trust and connection between himself and others so he can help them to help themselves. He believes through his experience in the classroom, the counseling room, and from time in the travel industry, that by building relational trust, by demonstrating that you understand the other person, you are then able to share hard truths with them that they can hear. JB's core value of compassionate curiosity guides his understanding that communication is a two-way connection where people can be interested and interesting in what is shared between them. He also sees communication as a tool for empowerment with which we can be of service to others. Listen out for the connection between the two eyes, being interested and being interesting, and how this connects to building relational rapport and trust, where brand you fits in, and when having great communication skills can be a double-edged sword. Please note this trigger warning. There is a reference to disclosures of sexual abuse early in the discussion between myself and Jamie. My name is Jamie and I teach in the community services area at RMIT University and I also am a principal psychotherapist in my own private practice in West Melbourne. Fantastic. Uh, Can you add to uh, the first introductory question area and tell us about a value that's important to you in your life in general? Curiosity got to be curious, especially in our line of work. As I always say to students in class, if you don't find or you stop finding people curious, you're in the long, in the long, I haven't speak, there's blooper, in the wrong line of work. You've always got to have that sense of compassionate curiosity, not interrogative, but compassionate. So you're positioning yourself as a, a, from a, a perspective of wanting to know more. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think people appreciate that. Mm. It's that sense of being interested. Yeah, what does it do to us as people when people are interested in us, do you think? It makes them want to talk most of the time. You know, you can have the quietest person in the room or your class, but if you actually show non-verbally or orally how you're interested in them, Extraordinary things can happen. Case in point, I had a student just recently in one of my classes who I found really challenging from the get-go, but I didn't give up. I was still there, still nice as pie, treated her like I did everyone else, still very relational. And it must have been towards the end of a particular course that I was teaching, she was hovering. And I thought, oh, Lordy, you always get nervous when students hover like jikes. What have I said? Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, she said, oh, 
can I just have a few minutes of your time? And students always call me JB because I don't particularly like my name, Jamie. So she said, you know, JB, can we chat? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Take a seat. Yeah, what would you like to talk about? And here's this person who never really was that warm to me, but she said the following. She told me how she had been sexually abused. Now, there's no way that someone who didn't think that I got them and respected them and could be trusted with such information would have dropped such a conversational planner. And I offered up some potential resources and I kept checking in with her. It was a compliment to me because she could have gone to anyone else that she was doing courses with, but she chose me. And maybe it's because, like I said, I never gave up on her. You know, I still kept checking in. And at times when I would ask her something, I could see her cringe, but I, I just kept going. It was very warm, very accepting. And, yeah, I do believe it paid dividends. You you mentioned uh, being relational, and yep. I'd love you to unpack that a little bit more, and I wonder if it connects to the essence of um, – that's a leading question. So you No, that's fine. Go for it whether it leads, whether it is connected in essence to what you think communication is about. Well, it's connection. Right? It's about an exchange of ideas or thoughts. And ideally, and hopefully, it's a two-way thing. Sometimes for lots of reasons, it isn't. So having said connection, that's that relational bit. And what I mean in practice, and I sort of gave an example of that, talking about that student, is coming across to people that I meet in everyday life, be it friend, family, teacher, psychotherapist, as interested in them. But I also myself have to be somewhat interesting. So it's the two eyes. And I think if you've got them in almost equal measure, once again, extraordinary things can happen. Be it with clients, be it with students, be it with friends, be it with whoever. So you, so the two eyes guide mm -hmm. you in your relational work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah love yeah. that. That's going to be yeah. a catchphrase for me now. Interesting and interested. Yeah, um, yeah, very um, important. And can I just sort of give you an example of how that works really well, not just in classroom context, but also therapy. Once people know you've got them, you see them, you've got the back. It enables you to tell them what they need to hear at times, not what they want to hear without getting pissed off and going, oh, he's just being really mean. He's picking on me. He doesn't like me. They actually know that you're doing it from a place of caring. It's that real duty of care being action. They own it. It's like... They can hear it. Yeah, if a student stuffs up and I go, look, what's happening? They go, okay, me bad. I should have sent you that email. You know, I shouldn't have done that. They own it. So you're able to, through the relational regard that is established through the interested and interesting dynamic, you're able to share difficult, you're ha able to have difficult conversations based on your professional judgment around what they need 
to hear. Absolutely. Absolutely. They see it for what it is. That is, I'm trying to make them the best version of themselves possible. That's one of my mantras. I'm going to help you to help yourself to achieve that to the best of your ability. And that really speaks to the, the line of work that you're in, both in, in teaching and in thera- in a therapeutic context. And, of course, I know that you you teach counselling as well. So that's in, an interesting sort of middle ground. Um, do you want to add to the question around how you use communication at work? We've already talked about a number of Yeah, things. well, some of the skills that I would use well the most important thing is that attending stuff so that curiosity and that ties in interlocks with that being interested and just the empathy and and the congruency I'm a great believer and I say this all the time in the classroom and in therapy sessions I'm never going to ask you to do something that I haven't done or wouldn't do myself it's like Getting back to the counselling clips, like, oh, I don't want to be videoed. It's really horrible. I go, suck it up. Been there, done that. It's the most powerful teaching and learning experience for you because often you go, oh, I'm really bad at this. And then when you actually watch it, you go, well, actually, you know, I'm <laughs> much better than I thought. All right. So, leading by example is very important for me. And it ties in with that relational stuff again. Humor, you know, brand Jamie. I am a unique brand and I make no apologies for that. Okay, just being funny, having a self deprecating sense of humor, not taking myself all too seriously. And then you've just got those basic communication skills, which are probably really very much at my disposal because having been a a trained teacher and taught for you know, 30 something years and being a trained psychotherapist. So it's going to be like the questions, the open and close, the paraphrasing, the summarizing, immediacy, all that type of stuff. So I've certainly got a bag or a toolbox of skills that I can draw upon. And as you rightly pointed out, Rachel, when I see this, my three professions sort of all, all interlock. Skill-wise and goal-wise, I think I said a moment ago, you know, teaching therapy, helping people to reach their full potential. Yeah, it's uh, it feels to me as a what I what I'm sensing or or pulling out of this or making meaning for myself is that it's a very it feels quite a meta process. You know, you're teaching about counselling, about counselling, about understanding ourselves, about being authentic. Um, And brand Jamie absolutely um, is such a a, a compelling, you know, your your presence is so compelling and authentic and trustworthy um, that all that you say rings true to me because I have seen it in practice. Um, you've, You've moved into the question around how you describe the type of communication you use. And what I've heard you say is that authenticity that you're authentic in your communication but you have all this grab bag of skills that Mm. absolutely have to be there and and polished and used and reviewed and updated and all of those things you know the paraphrasing summarizing all of that stuff that that is the basic foundation for making meaningful connection and then there's the humor and then there's the 
um, positive um, regard and and then there's the capacity to ask the difficult questions because you want people to um, I'm answering the question for you I want you to add to it in a minute <laughs> you want people to become the best versions of themselves do you want to summarize how you describe the type of communication you use you might want to add in your former work as well in um, the travel industry I don't oh. know whether that's relevant at this stage well, yeah well I'll pick up on that last bit first once again working for an airline as a cabin manager and a trainer it's the same skill set right making people feel as though you're interested in them and being interested simple as that and i think being a good communicator is probably somewhat genetic right it's like some people are really good at playing the piano art Da, da, da. And I can't see why, therefore, some people can't have a genetic predisposition to be a good communicator. So I think there was some genetic stuff there. Role model wise, a really good communicator in my early years was my grandmother. She was a really good communicator and she was the most fabulous storyteller. And I remember as a little tacker getting in her bed and she was a big woman not a small woman at all snuggling up to her and she'd make up these stories and every story she told was different so i think i got that fundament around word usage from her and that sense of creativity and being quirky and being able to think fairly fast in the moment from her all right I also hear the love of language. Yes, yes, absolutely, 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 indeed. So I think that's the origins of that. And then I think I said a while ago too, my skills, my actual hard skills came from teacher training, counsellor training, psychotherapy training, da 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 Another really good role model for me was my year six teacher called Peter Marmion. He could still be teaching if he is. He's probably very close to retiring. When I last heard about him just quite a few years ago, he was principal of King Island or Flinders Island District High, so I don't know if he's still there. But seriously, this guy was a breath of fresh air. Because oh, I'm getting goosebumps talking about this because it's not because it's triggering, it just is me joining dots and I haven't joined these for a while. Prior to grade six, I was given a really hard time in primary school because I was fat, you know, I was had glasses, I was bad at sport, you know, da 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 da. And none of my teachers were relational. My year five teacher, bless his cotton socks, just gave me a hellish time. And I was a really quiet, shy, well-behaved person. I don't know why this guy hated me so much. He hated me so much so he actually sat me down the back of the room in front of a birdcage. And to this day, I had this real thing about birds. Birds just freaked me out. So he was all against the relationship model there was nothing warm 
He was just horrid to me. And he also told my mom when she went to parent-teacher evening that I would amount to nothing, that I was destined for the chip factory down the road. This is this is fitting. I can still recall my mum telling my dad this after she got home from the parent teacher evening. And look at me now. Ha ha. I reckon he's dead because he was very old. And then I got Peter Marmion, who was the complete opposite. He basically is the personification of those things. I'm basically almost a clone of him. Mm. A relationship. And even when I left, um, I actually am getting quite emotional about this, but not in a bad way. Even when I left year six, year seven, eight, nine, he still checked in because he was still at the primary school down the road. And he actually said, and I've still got the report somewhere, I found that when I cleaned up Dad's house last year when he went into the home, where he basically makes the claim, this is the congruency, that he was going to follow my steps through the early years of my high school time, and he did it. Wow. So he was a fabulous role model, not just for communication stuff, but just teaching and just being of service. Yeah. I think that's the other thing about me. I do. So, I try to do service. It's not just about me. Yes, you, I love an audience. You know, it was one of the things I found really hard about online teaching because you yeah. can appreciate Rachel. Hello, I'd be tapping on the screen. Is, <laughs> Is anybody there? <laughs> it was like a comedian trying to be funny and no one's laughing. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I do like that, that coming back, but primarily I'm there for service. I am there to serve you. Well, you said earlier it's a two-way process. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. if we are as the online ex teaching experience was for two years, if it's a delivery, if it's a monologue, it's a, not a two-way, it's not, it's, no. you know, well, is that communication? Yeah, that's communication, but yeah, not us. That's um, right. It, it, it's that, uh, it's hitting the wall. Um, actually, something to share from my perspective is that I noticed myself when I was in that, that situation at times, I would get a, a hit of shame now, how's that, how's that to um, interpret? I would get this, this feeling of shame because I thought nobody was, because I thought pe people weren't listening. And that's how powerful. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a reason to feel that. I wasn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. All the things that we know. But that's what it's yeah. that actually it goes back to your birdcage thing. Yeah. And, I, and I have a similar situation that, 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 that could also recount around a really toxic teacher and then a really kind teacher. And I remember, um, I think, given that communication is two-way, I would love to share this. I remember I was in primary school and I remember um, doing something in lunchtime, which um, uh, I, I still have no recollection what it was that I did, but the teacher who was this shaming teacher, um, this toxic teacher, um, uh, stopped, shouted across the lunch table. We would sit in our classes on the table, um, at the table. Rachel, she probably called me my full name. You know that that, yeah, that really do. power over um, yeah. approach of, of of naming somebody, naming and shaming. Rachel Taylor, 
what are you doing? And I wasn't doing anything. I was talking, I was doing it. And she got me to stand facing the wall for the rest of the lunchtime. And I was utterly bereft, confused. Yeah, yeah. So there's a similar. Yep, absolutely. Power. <laughs> yeah. Horrible. Horrible. Yeah. yeah. And and similarly, that that sense of safety and trust that is necessary when we're connecting to to people that are in our care, are yeah. in our ken, are in our care, um, and we have a responsibility to be the best versions of ourselves. Is is what I think. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, how do your communication skills and all that you bring to the relational space impact your life in general? appreciate being similar yourself it's a bit of a double-edged sword <laughs> you know <laughs> because people love to talk to me and i love talking to people but there has to be boundaries right from the get-go this is probably why i ended up in the psychotherapy space i've always been a bit of the agony aunt Right, and I'm happy with that. But, like, I'll give you an example. You know, line of work that is therapist line of work. We don't need tools. You know, we we don't. You know, we don't need props. We need things like a dentist or you know a hairdresser or mechanic. So, I'll give you an example. It hasn't happened for a long time because most people who know me wouldn't dare ask me this type of question now and go down this path. But in the early years of practice, I'd be at a dinner party and someone who didn't really know me would find out what I actually did for a living. And then they want free therapy. Like, <laughs> So I think you're picking up what I'm putting down, you know? It's a wonderful thing being a good communicator. And I love people wanting to talk to me and I love talking to people. But I suppose it's a bit like the psychic. You know, if you were a, a rigid psychic, you have to turn off. You know, you've got to go, no, no, I, I don't want to chat. And I serve to that. I think I'm somewhat of an ambivert. I can be really quirky out there, love being the center of attention. But then I've got to, come back to my little mouse house with the beige walls and play some music and not have to talk to anyone, watch, you know, some trashy stuff on Netflix to recharge. I can't be Jamie in the moment listening to you, being interesting, interesting 24-7. And that's probably taken me quite a few years to be able to put into place. Mm, I so, hate <laughs> Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I left teaching in a school proper because – I always gave 150%. I never really turned off, right? So, yeah, it's a good thing, but there is a dark side. There is a shadow side to it. And also me being, and you can see this from our work side, I'm somewhat like the glue that binds, right? So I've sort of got a foot in lots of different camps because we've got all those other teams, but there'd be, and it's not a criticism, just reiterating my point, there'd be a lot of people in our little community service team who really don't talk to any of those other people for whatever reason. Whereas, you know, Jolly Jamie, and who's quite curious about these people, 
he chats to them. You know, he asks questions about them. And they love it because I am showing interest. And it's not fake interest. I really am interested in these people. Like someone who teaches interpreting, she has got such a fabulous story to tell, but very few people go out of their way for whatever reason to ask. I was blown away when I found out her backstory. Like She used to be a car engineer. She designed cars. But if I hadn't have actually asked that question, I would have been none the wiser. I, I do think it's a superpower, uh, that curiosity, that that desire to, and, and the, the, the desire to hear people's stories because the gold that we learn when we ask, and I think this comes back to your idea around um, the safety in a classroom and, and, and enabling people and your initial, <clears throat> what you opened with, with the disclosure made, when when you when one goes when we when i when you go out of our way to inquire and to be receptive then we are rewarded a thousandfold with the trust and the uh, wisdom that people have from their lived experiences and yet that is as brings a shadow side and in therapy that is a, a known reality. Transference, you know, the need for supervision in teaching, it's not really talked about. There isn't a, a supervisory framework mm. um, around unpacking how we feel yep. about certain things. Yep. And if we are, and, and you and I both have been in high schools um, and you for longer than me, um, the capacity to manage projection of young people who are finding themselves in and then the system's relentless requests to do things in certain ways uh for me was um a boundary transgressing experience and left me um unwell yeah, yeah and <laughs> And I wonder yeah. how many I wonder how many teachers live unwell in that system because how can we be the safe, the safest, most empathetic and also cr creative and curious beings that are modeling safety and transparency and authenticity yeah. in often toxic yeah. contexts uh, with students that are evolving into themselves yep. and experiencing all sorts of things yep. um, I, I guess that goes to the impact question what impact are we looking for are you looking for when you're communicating again we've spoken about this but if you want to add to that based on what yeah. well the most important thing is connection and just keep trying and trying and trying and trying and trying but going back to that student who disclosed if i'd given up she may never have opened up to anyone and missed out on some potential resources that she ended up being able to tap into. So connection. And then hopefully helping people to help themselves, you know, motivating them to do whatever they need to do to learn to change. That's, That's right. what it's all about. That's it's that service. Through being a good communicator, Hopefully, I'm being of service to others. And this is not a question here, but it sort of marries in the whole topic. 
you know, the, the other week I was having an existential crisis. I wasn't having a pity party, but I was just thinking, what's, what's my legacy going to be? Because I don't have children, don't have anything like that. You know, I'm not famous. Da, da, da. And I'm like, just think about all the lives you've touched. Like you've been teaching a very long time. I won't say how many years on and off. That's a lot of people. That's that's a lot of people. And to this day, sometimes some of these students will come up to me five, ten years later and say, do you remember me, Mr. Brown or JB or blah, blah, blah. Or I hear secondhand, like one of our co-colleagues, who I hadn't seen for quite some time because of COVID, was so excited that she actually ran into me one day. And she said, oh, JB, I've been wanting to tell you this. I'm so glad we've crossed paths. Do you remember... Ex student, this is like years ago, seven years ago, and I'm going, oh, bit more information. And I went, oh, yes, I do. I, I do. I could visualize the person. And she said, how this student's actually gone on to do their master's in social work. But the upshot is, she was saying to this colleague of ours how she just found me so empowering and relational. It just turned the life around. I was like, oh, that's really nice. So, yeah, when I was thinking, what's my legacy? That was one of the things that popped into my mind. Yeah, I can't paint, I can't play the piano, but I can help people to help themselves. And that is a wondrous feeling. Like in therapy just the other day, the client had an epiphany. And it was basically brought about by me just pointing something out. I mean, yeah, observing it and noticing and naming it. That's right. And there's and then there's the light bulb. Um, that's it. And gosh, there's so much to say about that, isn't there? That people have to be in the right place and time. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. need to trust the person that's delivering the message. They need to be. Yeah, in the right time and place uh, to be able to hear it. Um, yeah, it goes back to that disclosure example. I mean, the time was obviously right. The planets had tilt, but I had put the foundation working. So when the planets actually did tilt, yeah, he knew that she was okay to have this conversation. I, I, something that I bring to my practice, Jamie, is is a sense of. My, the, the the desire that I have to make an impact um when I see, when I see it happening I, I I consider it to be alchemy mm. um as you talked earlier near the classroom where there's you know you're connecting and and mm. and, and, and and building ideas and there is that beautiful moment where and I work in groups. I've always worked mm -hmm. in, groups, mm -hmm. in groups and with individuals. Um, there's something that happens in group spaces where people are able to be both active or passive or mm. one or the other or both. And then they can witness other people. Yes. And there's something builds and understand yep. builds a safety builds. And then out of it emerges something that you just didn't know was going to happen. And I consider that to be an alchemical experience. Yeah, yeah, I like it. That's a good analogy. It's a bit like the synergy of the group. Like sometimes I will have taught something and they'll be in groups doing something and I just step back and I sit and I watch. Or they're doing their role plays. I always use the analogy, I feel like I'm a birthing person. A doula. You're a doula. Yeah, I'm so excited. 
to this role play. It's like, yay, yay. There's that quirkiness, but also being very congruent and authentic because, you know, I do feel a little bit anxious, like the birthing person would like, oh, my God, is it all going to go to plan? And then you see their bravery, you see their, yes. their, bring their skills yes. into practice, having a go, responding yes. to the moment and, and right. outburst the role play. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And they laugh, but then they go, yeah, yeah, you're actually right, Toby. Yeah, yeah, it would be a bit like that. Oh, that's so lovely. I'm going to use that in the class. We're going to birth a role play together, everybody. <laughs> trust, trust in ourselves. That's um, a Jainism. I love it. Um what it also what this conversation reminds me is is that wonderful phrase um around legacy is that we don't remember what people said but we remember how they made us feel how we felt around them you've just um, stolen my last ending question was how oh. do you communicate to a close so goodbye i was going to say in that answer you've got to make people still feel as though you're interested you've got to be interesting and more importantly you want them to walk away feeling okay about the conversation even if it's one of those tough love conversations and at times you have to have those love it you can't be all rainbows and lollipops and that's such a skill oh my goodness me and so what we'll do is we'll hold that that further question and we'll come back to that right yeah. at the end um so delightful. Um, I'm going to move to a question which go for it. Sort of incorporates lots of things that we've already talked about, but I'd love to hear if there's something else that you want to add to it. Um, a memory of a moment where you had a breakthrough in your skills, and it might be referring back, because there are con there are constant breakthroughs that we have. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Back to younger JB, who was you know, ploughing your furrow in, in in all sorts of different ways, whether it be as a teacher, whether it be uh, in the airline industry, whether it be in your counselling practice. Did you, where was the alchemical moment for you where you're like, oh, Dan, I'm, you know, I'm, yeah, made that breakthrough. It's back to the 1990s where I almost ran away from teaching. <laughs> I it was a running gag in my last year at UTAS. I always said to my fellow students, I bet I get, you know, posted to some, you know, macho mining town on the northwest, I'm sorry, the west coast of Tassie. And sure enough, my first posting was Queenstone. <laughs> and I wasn't the only gay in the village. I think there was a few others. So you can imagine it was pretty tough. And back then you you couldn't be openly gay in Tassie education system. Nor <laughs> in a mining town, blah blah blah. But it was a really great time, you know. To survive in a tough school, and you can probably appreciate this. You can therefore think you can teach anywhere. And I always say to people who are trained to be teachers now, don't go to these really cushy schools in your first year out. You know, go to the toughest schools because you're going to learn so much. They're normally more collegiate. You know, the staff are more quirky, left of centre, and you could be brand new, blah, blah, blah. So I, I did that for the amount of time that I was required to do. And then I was able to choose where I could go. You know, that was the carrot. Right? You've done your hard slog. Now you can choose where you want to go. So I chose to go to Launceston College, which was a year 11 and 12 college standalone. I think it was about 2,500 students. It was over so many city blocks. Huge, huge, huge. 
Anyway, well, I did it. I was just thinking, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. And I was sharing a staff room with this woman. I think she's still alive. She should be quite old now, too, because she wasn't young then. And we were at some, I don't know, like a catering. They had a catering course. So every week, the students would open like a Mickey Mouse restaurant. And so we used to go, a group of us from the staff. And she was there one night. And she must have seen me I don't know, looking a bit sad and sorry for myself. And she said, what's up? And I said, oh, I don't know about this teaching gear. I don't know if that's what I really want to do. Da, 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 da. And she basically told me what I needed to hear, not what I wanted. She goes, don't worry. And I'm going to swear because she was a swearer. She goes, you're fucking good at what you do. She goes, just embrace it. Seriously. She was like that. She took no hostages and she was a really good educator herself. She taught in some really tough schools before she ended up where I was and she was getting very close to retirement. So that was a real defining moment for me. It's like, okay, this is a person who's been teaching for a very long time, who knows her craft. She's telling me this is a gift. Yeah, don't don't blow it, son. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what you're saying. These are the cards you've been dealt, my friend. Yeah, yeah. embrace them to your advantage. And not only will you help yourself, here's the Benjamin Franklin effect again, but you're going to be helping a lot of other people. So I thank her because I was seriously toying with the yeah. idea of going to do something completely different. And you can see, even when I did step out of teaching for that short space of time to work for Virgin Australia, I still ended up in education. Yeah. Yeah. So she was so right. Yeah. It was yeah. so right. Aww. That was well, such a defining moment. Yeah, we thank her. We thank yeah. her for your continuing her. presence in the classroom. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the other defining moment was a therapy one was where I was doing some volunteer counselling at the old Vic Aids. And I had this client who really threw me for a sixer. First client, first cab off the rag, blah, blah, blah. I hadn't been doing this gig for very long. And he was a married man, but he did not identify as gay or bi. He just saw himself as a man who was attractive. Men, blah blah blah. Backstory to him was prior to getting married and adopting a child, he was a would be priest. There's a story for another day, but he didn't get ordained, he quit, got married, da da da. And he'd been fighting his sexuality for years and years and years. So I worked with him, and I remember him saying, and this just threw me for a sixer, I've got a sex addiction. I was like, oh, Lordy, they didn't teach me that in my counseling training. I don't know how to work with a sex addict. Anyway, the rest is basically history because, as you know, that's when I ended up doing my master's research and that's basically the bed and butter of my private therapy practice now. But I worked with him for about 18 months and we just did such great stuff. And at the end of it, he came in and we wound up like we meant to winding back da, 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 session by session he had a gift now technically we weren't meant to take gifts but this was the last session and it was a book which i've still got 
in a way, the book was nice, but the inscription was so much better. He goes, as you know, we've been meeting, this is verbatim, we've been meeting for 18 months and we've said a lot of stuff, covered a lot of territory, but the most important thing you ever said to me was one of your Jamie's and that being, if you want difference, there has to be difference. And that's really stuck with me. And as an educator now, as a therapist now, I use a lot of Jamie'sms, idioms, analogies, and metaphors because I've seen people just go, yeah, I've got it. Yeah, get it. I don't have to sort of, you know, make it really convoluted and really academic. Mm. Like I said that was the most important thing at Jamie'sm. You so dis- there has to be difference. You're distilling truths that from from your wisdom, from your many years of experience into a little gift and giving it mm. to others and then they receive that. that yeah, so it just reinforces the importance of communication. Yeah, yeah that there's so much in a few words, right? Yes. In yes. words. You don't over-talk it, you don't over-teach it, as Maggie Maggie Bear says, you don't over-egg it or something when she's cooking, don't over-egg the dish. Right. That's right, yeah. transferable knowledge, the, isn't it? Into, you don't keep saying don't, the same thing three times. Yeah, they get it. Yeah. And he's, he went on to say that he was using it every time he goes to go down the rabbit hole. He goes, well, hey, I'll be down here many a time. And, you know, if I don't want to end up in the same space, I'm going to do something different. Absolutely. So that was powerful for him. Um, I wonder if that's that is part of the question that asks you is there one golden truth of course there's never one golden truth but is there a golden truth that you share with interested people around what you've learned about communication over the years one golden truth i've sort of touched on a lot of Mm. the truths yes but the one thing that keeps coming, and it's basically where we say, is connection. Mm. Yeah, follow the connection. Follow that thread. Yeah, 100%. And that looks so different for different people. So Absolutely. It could be in eye contact, no eye contact. It could yep. be lots of words or it could be few words, yeah. And, and in practice-wise, in a therapy sense, it's me going backwards, whereas in teaching, it's me sort of going forward with the thread, the thread of knowledge, the thread of skills. Ooh, can you say Whereas therapy, I'm sort of going backwards. We're, we're going backwards. So you're there and you might say, I'm making this up. You've got mummy issues. So I'm unwinding. I'm going backwards in time. Whereas in education land, I'm sort of, going forward with the thread, Ooh. sort of pulling you this way as opposed to pulling you back, forward back. So there's a temporal element to the dynamic. That's super interesting to me. I'm, I I could talk to you for hours about that, maybe another time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, before we sign off, um, how can people connect with you and your amazing work? Well, I have my private practice website, which is www.thetherapystop.com.au. Or they can 
track me down at RMIT via you. And then come and be a student in your class. <laughs> absolutely. And have a great time and learn lots. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else you wanted to add before I ask my final question? No, go for it. Oh, it's been such a delight, Jamie. Thank you so much. Um, as we draw our time together to a close, and you have already somewhat revealed what you might say in this answer, but how do you say goodbye to somebody or farewell them even? Well, it's that making sure that I still come across as being interested and also being interesting. And the interesting bit comes from the Jamiesms. So I might, and I'm quite well known for saying this, like toodle pips. And case in point, very quickly, I don't think I've already told you this story. We had one of our students, and they were working with one of the students that I taught many years ago, but both of them didn't know that I'd actually taught each other. So they were having this conversation, blah, 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 blah. And the ex-student who's now like the supervisor of one of our students said toodle pips and they both went oh my god jamie brown <laughs> so yeah it's that interesting i mean people aren't going to remember that if you're not interesting right and then the other thing i said it's really important that people step away feeling okay and that's the base anything above that is brilliant oh Thank you so much for your time, Jamie. It's been such a treat. It's been fun. It's been great for me. As I said, all this we just do automatically, unconsciously. We take for granted because it's not like painting or playing the piano. But seriously, it it is a gift. It is a skill because I've been around the block quite a few times. I've seen a lot of teachers teach over the years. And I think the difference... This is probably a good way to end if we talk about teaching, is teachers teach, non-teachers deliver. Great. Great. So the teaching is, I'm imagining, the modelling, the authenticity, the yep. creating safety. All that stuff. Firing. Yeah. And the two ways, whereas non-teachers normally just deliver. It's very one way. It's very didactic. They're yeah. the expert. They know it all. So teachers are relational. Oh, absolutely. Always. Absolutely. Always. At the core of their work, yeah. the content around it is absolutely necessary, but yes. fundamentally we are alchemy, alchemists of relational safety. We are. You know, and I say all the time, be it in teaching or psychotherapy, if people don't think you get them. They're not even going to think about buying whatever you're selling, be it theory, content, or change. They go, oh, you don't get me. What do you know? You don't care. At the end of the day, we all want to be seen. We do. And that's that connection thing. And that's that being interested. You know yourself. Students get really blown away if after the first session you have with them, you know their name. They do. I, I make You're it right. useless to learn them by lunchtime. And then I come back and I call them name and they go, oh, my God, he actually knows who I am. There's that relationship. But I've actually taught with people in various places, come in a semester and tell them they wouldn't know students' names. 
that is hot, that's a hot tip isn't it for early career teaching um to to make it a priority right at the beginning to remember people's names and practice them until you know them yes just like in therapy and our line of work you're not going to go hey you come in <laughs> sit down that's what I always say, you know, and I make them learn names. That's why I had the ball. I've told you I, I use the ball. The ball. So we all magic learn each ball. other's names. Yeah, the magic. Yeah. And they learn them and they use them. And in addition to that, names that people choose to be called. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Na names are important. If they weren't, we wouldn't have them. <laughs> Let's end there. <laughs> I like that. Thank you, my friend. What a treat. In this episode, JB has shared his golden truth of communication. Follow the thread of connection between you and those you seek to communicate with, whether it be by sharing from the past or planning for the future. You can find out more about Jamie's work by visiting thetherapystop.com.au my gratitude goes to Jamie Brown for his time, authenticity and wisdom, all shared with us so candidly and with generosity and humour. Thank you all for listening and go well. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compelling Communicators. Thanks to Nina Humphreys for composing the music you're listening to now. See you next time.